Hey, what's up, y'all? This is part two of a multi-part episode. If you want to hear part one, go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. So again, part one is available for Patreon subscribers who subscribe at $5 a month over at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. I think the boondocks for a lot of people, it's like, hey, this is a, this is black show about black people that has hip hop themes and the end bomb, mm-hmm. but it's drawn like anime because it has an anime look. I'm yeah, a black guy. That, I'm a black guy that likes anime, you know? So it being cool is making me cool. It's black enough to know about like black culture, white enough to get like white in jokes or gets that type of stoner humor. Like, you right. know, like, like it has a stoner sensibility. It, 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 so, and that's me. Like I can appreciate the hip hop stuff, but I like that stoner shit too. I like that skateboard culture too. You know, so like, like a lot of these black kids like type of show because they feel like it, like, for example, I feel like we were kind of like, like this is a mirror. Like a lot of mm-hmm. white people always come up to me they assume i know when i watch this is mirror and i never have seen it when i try to see it it's not really my cup of tea it's not my yeah, personal it's not my thing, uh, yeah. yeah it's not my thing either like like they have talent to do what they do i'm not shitting on them this is not something where i'm saying like you know but when i see it i feel like it's definitely for white people and i think sometimes it borders on a little minstrelsy like they always have a white person coming around and it's like hey yo 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 come with us to the, the park and drink drink from this 40 the people right. like you know at his paper bag that's how we do it in the bronx and and uh anna what's her name what's her name anna kendrick like mm-hmm. you know do a money phone like here's a shearling you gotta rock a shearling now we're gonna go to the black strip club and it's like this is some cultural tour guide shit but the black kid who's watching that who's from the Bronx or from like, you know, the hood will be watching it and we'll be sitting next to the white friend and be like, yo, that's really what the hood is like, you know? And then the white friend will be like, yo, really, Jamal? He goes, yeah, I'll take you down to some place like that tomorrow. Like, you know, and it's, they feel like it's making them and their life looking cool to like the white people. They could be like, yeah, yo, I'll, I'll show you where that strip club is. And those people are kind of like ambassadors for their own, I think, type of uh, white acceptance and stuff. And they can be like the, what these Samaros doing with those white celebrities on the show, they mm-hmm. can feel like they're doing that with their white friends. Like, like they want to, what these Samaros are being to the white people who come on the show, I think what a lot of their black fans get off is on the idea of they can or are that to uh, their white friends. And right. because that's not something that really kind of interests me and I watch the show, I don't really get anything out of it. I'm like, okay, so this white person's in a strip club. I don't see what's so fun about I don't like the self-otherization that this is clearly not meant for me because I know strip clubs like that. I yeah. don't go to them anymore. Uh, I don't really live like that anymore. But, you know, I know it. it's, it's interesting, but I'm not learning anything here. Like, the joke is just that it exists. You know, right, like, if, right. if if I was, that's the joke. The joke is just that the thing exists. Like, when you make Anna Kendrick put a money phone to her ear, there's no punchline there. Like, the joke yeah, is no. just like, isn't it funny niggers do this? Like, you know, right. like, uh, when she's in a strip club drinking out of a plastic cup and, you know, there's like this stripper with a huge ass, like, behind them. Like the joke is like, isn't it funny? There's a strip club with paper with plastic cups and strippers who look like you know overweight like that. Not like our you know strip clubs. It's like a cultural kind of gawking, mm-hmm. and I think it goes in the opposite direction too. Where like a lot of white people do that, think that I'm the only white guy who uh, is watching Thesis um, and Merrill. No other white guy is doing this. I've discovered something, not realizing that 
they're eighty percent of the audience, and right. all their friends were. I've seen so many articles by white people talking about here's your guide to this is Mero as a white guy. There's like six years of articles like this, and they don't realize that after like several dozen white people don't need a guide to watch the show because it's it's like for them. Like uh, when they hired their writers, uh, I was on their Reddit, and the writers were like. Uh, mostly white people and stuff. And people were like shocked. It was, what's going on here? Are white people getting into the show? And I was like, oh my God, are you guys still don't, what's going on? Like, how can this be? But like, how can you guys have gone this long and still not realize that you guys are the minority watching the show? And right. the show is kind of, the show is kind of laughing a little bit at black people I, and Spanish people more than I think it really is laughing with them. But it's, it's a Dave Chappelle awakening. Dave Chappelle was somebody who was oblivious to that. And he woke up to it. He kind of realized, wait a minute, I am the joke. They're not laughing at this the way that I'm laughing at. Right. It. Like, they, you know, they, they're not getting it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. They're laughing. The way, the way they're entertained by this is a little bit different than the way I designed it. Yeah. And and, and when he had a conventional character juggling watermelons, and he's, he's right. like, this white guy's laughing a little bit too hard. Right. And he's laughing kind of like, you know, in, in earnest. Like, for example, when I went to see Slave Play, right, there's a part where character the guy's name is uh he's he's playing a overseer right in this mm-hmm. race play that he's doing this, this sexual race play and he wants to be called uh nigger gary right so so the guy goes um you know it's a black overseer uh whipping and overseeing like a white indentured servant because the black overseer has been is a sl- even though he's technically a slave He's been promoted to, uh, I have no idea there's any real life historical precedent for this, but right. within the conceit of the play, he's a white over, he's a black slave who was promoted to overseer. So he's a top slave and he's actually over like lowest white guy, the lowest indentured servant. And he's bossing the white indentured servant around and um, whipping him and stuff. So then the he's playing someone called Gary, Gary, right? And then white indentured servant says, uh, sorry, Gary, sir. And then the guy playing the slave uh, overseer, this is so confusing. I'm sorry. Uh, but are you following? You're following what I'm saying. Yeah, so no, no, no. Far, I right? follow what I follow what you're saying. I mean, you oh, know, okay, historically, okay, yeah. I don't. That doesn't exist. That's something yeah, that his, came from the mind of the person that created that play because they thought it yeah. would be funny and yeah, coincidental. Yeah. I thought they thought there would be a lot of coincidence in that. And there isn't any. Yeah, or maybe they thought like it was a reassuring fantasy. Like you know, what I mean right. that 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 the the top black person can be bigger than the uh, lowest white person. But um, the, the slave overseer corrects him and says, that's nigger Gary to you. Like, you right, know, right? like uh, you better call me nigger. And then there was this white guy who just laughed so hard and he couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. And he was in this other side of the room. So he said, that's nigger Gary to you. The guy's like, ah! <laughs> he was like going it was just on. the funniest thing ever. Yeah. And I'm like, you're just happy to hear the word nigger. Like, that's the only yeah. thing. Like, that's, yeah. that's not really a punchline. Like, you no. know, I was like, that's like, and to a degree, I think that the creator, that white, certain type of white people get a kick out of that because why else is it there? It's not really the type of joke that I think a black person Yeah, but that's how he, that's funny. how he got his connection. He wants to be connected to white people, you know, by hook or crook. You know what I mean? It doesn't really matter how he does it. He just, as long as, long as he does it. Yeah, but that's a perfect example of like, that's something where your laughter is making you uncomfortable because why are you laughing at that or the way you're laughing at that like i felt that way with boondocks when i was when i would talk to white people that watch like the boondocks and like what they get out of it or does the, the same way like the way they were laughing at uh chris rocks niggers versus um black people and then uh th- there's this martin luther king nigger moments um mm-hmm. 
um thing. And this is how you know I really knew it was uh kind of aimed at certain like white sensibilities is because like there's a lot of wiggers, right? Mm-hmm. They'll be kind of like wiggers or like wigger adjacent, like like they're skate guys who hang out with black guys, like like the kind of white guys who'll be friends with Tyler the Creator or right. Basquiat, you know what I'm saying? Probably informing on them like on the side too. Right, but, right. But uh, those type of white guys that'll hang out with uh, those black guys. But uh, at certain points in the conversation, like you think they're like down by law and all this stuff. But then when you hear them start talking about stuff, Politically, they'll be saying stuff like, you know, black people have to clean up their act and black guys have to stop buying Jordans. And they'll be saying stuff. It's like, wait, oh, you, yeah. you basically talk just like uh, a Republican. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like you have the same like low opinion of black people. You just think it's fun to slum with them. Right. You know, you, you just enjoy uh, slumming with them. Like my Malcolm X's autobiography had this uh, story about this white pimp who... Um, used to hang out with him all the time and he was totally down by law and he talked with like uh black slang and he knew all the ins and outs and all like the black people like loved him in the street life you know he he was like a reverse mascot like you know mm-hmm. he uh and malcolm thought he was really cool and everyone thought he's just like a brother from a different mother type of thing and then when uh, malcolm x brought his like fine white woman around his words that's what he said in the book uh that he that he claimed that she was like uh, supposed to be really fine and a head turner when he brought her around harlem she she introduced he introduced her to all the fellas including him and then later on she tells him that when when malcolm x wasn't around the white guy pulled her over the white pimp and was like yo what are you doing with that nigger like are you crazy mm-hmm. like like you're going around and sleeping sleeping with a nigger and this is a, a, a white pimp in the yeah in the hood like you know and and if you notice a lot of those black dudes who love uh who love well not so much anymore i think chris rock uh kind of turned a lot of them off and stuff but at the time like in the especially in the 2000s like this cross-section of guys like who love the Chappelle show who love the um boondocks and who um love that chris rock niggas versus n-words get like that's the only joke they remember from the whole special like like that alone was enough to make it a all-time yeah. iconic uh thing they they have when it comes down to it, this negative uh, idea of black people, and they enjoy the show for kind of confirming it and confirming the stereotypes that allows them that you know they act down, but they like like when black people watch it, they can watch it as like a joke that's not meant to be accurate, but then you know whereas like a lot of them will watch it as um, you know with no level of irony to it. You know what I mean? It's almost like you got to, you know, when you get around certain people, you know, there's certain stories we can say to each other in the house. But then you start adding other people that ain't that don't live in your house. And yeah, exactly. You don't know how they're going to take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or maybe like, you know, humiliating or they don't get the full context of the person. Yeah. So they don't know the good parts or the bad parts, but they'll treat that stuff like a documentary. Like, like they have that going on. And um, I feel like that type of dude, like that type of white guy when he watches that stuff he's not always getting like the best lessons from me he's not always laughing with you a lot of times he's laughing at you and a a lot of that stuff to me like black people would have butted butted the joke but it's pretending to make fun of white people just as much or more like you know like there's this kind of thing like when they take Anna Kendrick to the hood and Lisa Sinmero and make her like you know go in a strip club and dress like like a lot of the black people who are not savvy think that they're making fun of Anna Kendrick but they're you know because she doesn't understand how the hood works or doesn't uh, understand how the money phone works and goes oh look at look at this crazy white bread lady but they're the entertainment they're the ones that are being laughed at when white people are looking at it they're laughing at you know how uh 
crazy or backwards like uh right. or incomprehensible like that life that life is like uh some people just never like Chappelle. what i love about Chappelle is that he eventually got it and if you ever watch his behind the actor studio interview about it or you watch his behind the um or if you watch his oprah interview those are two really good interviews about the experience you can tell that he kind of he wasn't doing what the slave play guy was doing which is like consciously doing it he really didn't get that they weren't re- laughing with him and he realized he was doing something wrong and he had to run away from it. Like his conscience uh, got to him. And I can kind of respect that because he wasn't doing it to sell out um, his people. He just was really honestly um, just too naive to get it. But the part where I really got that the boondocks was aligned with that type of white guy who really believes regressive things about black people. He just hangs mm-hmm. around there for the fun. Cause sometimes people hang around you for the fun. Like um, we had this, had this friend, he knows a girl who goes to the pride parades. When the pride parade happened, she was getting her freak on. She was dressed with no shirt on and her tits out, but with a rainbow rainbow paint over her nipples mm-hmm, so you couldn't mm-hmm. see it. And she was doing all this that she wouldn't normally do. And I was like, wow, she's a real big booster of LGBT rights. I didn't know right. she was like like that, you know, because she's she's older, she's Hispanic, she's um from like the old school. I'm like, it's pretty enlightened to her. And she goes, Oh no, she doesn't really like gay people like that. In fact, she was she doesn't even like gay marriage and she was mad about gay marriage and all this stuff. And I was like, really? And like, so what did she do? Is it, and then he said and he said like this is uh his acquaintance, not mine. He goes, uh she, she thinks they're cool for fun. Exactly. So 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 she likes she likes that, you know, if it's time to have an oversex get your freak on if i do it by myself you know i'm just a slutty straight person if i do it in the context of a gay parade or a gay event i'm an ally showing solidarity so she uses the gay people as just entertainment but she actually looks down on their struggle and their hardship like uh i'm like you know what what she what she's doing black people have experienced for like a long time of like uh People like us for the slumming and the fun, but mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, they think about us as badly as uh that's why a lot of those people who come up off of black culture, when they make it and then I hang around black people in the morning, they're back around white people, they're saying the most heinous shit, like Kid Rock and oh, all yeah. these people who came off on, on black culture. They uh, after they're done slumming, they come back like, you know, explorers to white society and be like, Yeah, I was with the niggas in the trenches for a couple of years, Heart of Darkness, Joseph Conrad, yeah, they really are. That fucked up, uh, you know. Uh, if anything, now I can get to say these tropes from a place of authenticity because I saw it firsthand. I was a white nigger for uh, that amount of years. Uh, but yeah, that skit uh, where Martin Luther King is used to shame black people for being niggers. Mm-hmm. He, he, he said, there's a boondocks where Martin Luther King never died. And he oh, I've wakes. seen it before. I've seen it. I've seen it. He's yeah. at the podium talking about, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's, yeah, he's yeah. on there talking about you niggas this. And I, I, yeah. And that that's the kind of stuff to me that, you know, it's not funny. You know what I mean? It'd be yeah. different if it it'd be different if it was like not so damn obvious. You know what I mean? Like it's so obviously trying to be funny that it's not funny. But but also like that sensibility, that's how white people think. I mean, here's the white people use just just on the internet, social media. Every black person has a story where some white person tries to Martin Luther King shame them. Like, you know, they're like, uh, you know, why would Martin Luther King think about what you're doing right now? You know, they yeah, always yeah. do that. And they that always episode, do that. Yeah. That episode was 
that tendency in animation like you right. know like right. that was basically what would Martin Luther King think of you niggers you know you know and I'm like that's not an episode that's made for white for black people that's something that you know for white people to enjoy that's how white people think you know and and bougie black people like uh like the idea like to me I, w- I would think if Martin Luther King came back he would be happy it's so much of the progress we got like wait they're not being whipped in the streets you know like right, uh, right. and he would also be like there's so much more left to do like his first thought his first concern wouldn't be like oh my god look at these niggers like you know because he, he, he lived through the time and the era that creates the niggerization process like uh, white supremacy is designed it's a feature not a bug it's designed to produce niggers and when i say niggers i don't mean niggers the way that they try to use it which is like a nigger is a person who's ignorant like you know i call everybody right, a nigger right. like, not that like what a nigger uh, actually is which is like a black person who's meant to be in the bottom like that's what yes yes and that's historically for people that don't know the term nigger it has nothing to do with uh, i shouldn't have to do this but the term nigger does not have anything to do with negus and all this other kind of stuff it has nothing to do with that yeah from from an american southern plantation term it has nothing to do with that it means you're not even a human being yeah exactly Period, point and, blank. And, and the reason you're not a human being is just because you're black just not because, because you're black anything else it's not anything you did yeah it's not anything you can undo is just because you're black and just because you're black and because i said so exactly exactly period in a system of white supremacy you know and and uh, so like when i saw that thing i was like you know it's no like the sensibility i realized of the show was not uh what and i think um the Chappelle show treaded on that same sensibility but by accident like it didn't didn't mean to it just it's kind of like how when you tell a joke you, you said this earlier in this episode you tell a joke that your family or your house works because it's your family. But if someone else came around, it would be wrong to tell that joke about somebody in your house. Like, you know, like I can't tell that embarrassing joke about a family member outside the family. But there's also, so there's there's a sense where you may do that, but by accident, like like you forget that person's in the room or whatever, but it's also the kind of asshole in your family who actually likes scoring points outside people by telling fucked up shit about inside people. There's some people who are like that. There's some people who they know two people, they know one of the people more than the other one favor or whatever with the person they know less. They'll try to like clown the person that they know or the family members. Like, you know, you won't believe what this asshole did last week, you know? Like, like they'll try to win cool points at your expense. Like they'll do the, the exact opposite. They'll not only tell the embarrassing story about the friend or family member uh, that should only be told in the house in front of the stranger, they, they'll not only do it, but they'll do it on purpose. Yes. Not even like, not even like by accident or by uh, misunderstanding, like like what uh, Chappelle show did. So I think Chappelle show ended up in the category of those things almost by accident. Like it wasn't yes. really trying. Whereas, but I think Boondocks was a little more. Um, so Chappelle show was that's you can tell the Chappelle show those skits and ideas came from the mind of Dave Chappelle and Neil Brennan and you you can tell yeah. that they've been working together for a long time. And that's the see that and that's the difference between a comedian and writers. So the comedian, that shit's funny to them. You could tell like this. There's, that's not the. I mean, even the Chris Rock niggas and black people. That's just some shit that's funny to comedians. They've said this stuff to each other for years. You're just not supposed to tell everybody else. Yeah. But 
But also, even among the comedians, I don't think you should tell that because then when you do that, then you end up with people like Nick DiPaolo and Louis C.K. Well, it, think so, it's, yeah. it's okay. So even among the comedians, it ends up being a problem because then that's how you end up with embarrassing moments. Right. See, back like, in the day, back in the back in the days of comedy, like in the 80s and the 90s, you could do that because there was no internet. And also, I, I'm not a comedian, but I, I know some comedians, but there was no internet, one. And two, you knew that, okay, that's not my shit to be telling. You know what I'm saying? Because that's kind of like joke stealing. You know what I mean? Like if if, yeah. if, Eddie, if Eddie Murphy and Robin Harris is sitting in a room with fucking George Carlin and Sam Kennison, they might talk some wild shit. You know what I'm saying? But there's limits to everybody. Andrew Dice Clay, perfect example. Like the shit that he's doing or the shit that he might say about where he comes from, things like that. You're not going to hear nobody black back then. Yeah. Now it's a little bit different. But but like with um with that thing that happened with Chris Rock where he was sitting with uh Ricky Gervais and yeah, Louis yeah, C.K. Yeah. And Louis C.K. kind of did that embarrassing story with Chris Rock. It's like, and people were like, why didn't Chris Rock say anything? It's like, I kind of realized why. And it's because Chris Rock probably made that type of joke with him among like, you know, comics so many times about your honorary nigger and stuff. And yeah. I think it's kind of a survival mechanism that a lot of black people do when they're in a predominantly white field. They kind of, you know, self-deprecate or let some things slide so they don't look like they're the uptight one. Uh, you can't bring the black guy around. Like, you know, I think they kind of do stuff like that. But now because you got used to doing it in private, now he feels comfortable enough to do it in public. You can't, that can't be your first time checking him. It's going to feel fake. It's going to look fake. Like, like the checking that should have been done for that that wasn't the time for it to f- happen. It should have first happened probably 15, 20 years ago. Louis C.K. and Ricky Gervais have been kind of emboldened to that point for a while, probably from a lot of dealings behind the scenes with, you know, what you were talking about, about like these kind of internal jokes that a lot of black people tell in a self-deprecating way to kind of, yeah. as a survival or a climbing mechanism in these fields, you know? But that whole generation of what we're talking about, to bring it back to Jay-Z and the, um, and the NFL thing, like, I think that kind of crowd are also like big apologists for um, Jay-Z. Like, like, like oh, that, yeah. that, idea, that idea that that dusty New York guy mm-hmm. thinks that this is the guy who's going to validate them. Like, you know, the same way like that... Uh, that black guy who likes uh, anime and skating and streetwear and Supreme thinks like yeah. something like the Boondocks or ASAP Rocky or Tyler the Creator is going to give him some kind of real life social capital. But some uh, people, uh, this was this one just a divergence. We're bringing it back to yeah. the original. Well, I thing. think the problem. Yeah. I think the problem with a lot of those old, the older guys, the New York mm-hmm. guys that are, that lived vicariously through Jay Z, it's not that just because it's uh, Jay Z, but there's a certain era in time. And I would say it's like from 1985 to like 1993, like things yes. were, you know, for whatever reason, they believed it was so great, but that, they that believed golden that, era. Yeah. It, it, really, it really was that great. But, but, and we said this before, we didn't preserve it. We didn't right, protect right, it. Right, right, right. You know, I heard we that have there, a certain, yeah. No, I was going to say that I heard that there was, there used to be, um, well, they have a law now because I guess it was a big deal in New York with people like drinking outside. So like oh, they yeah. make, they, they, they like made this law and I saw somebody, we both know who they are. I'm not going to say their name, but they both were complaining about them. I mean, we can't even drink outside no more <laughs> and all this other kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, but why would you want to? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's because, it's because some things were genuinely popping. You kind of want to preserve all of it, even like yeah. the parts that maybe were okay to go away. But I mean, like it used to be like used to go to like Grant's tomb. Mm-hmm. Like it used to be like these things where there were so many cool things 
to be black in New York, like in the 90s. Like, you know, Grant's Tomb was popping uh, once a week in the summer, and you would go and holler at girls. You go to Jones Beach Greek Fest, that was like popping. You go to you go, uh, 125th at night, you should just be the shit. And people should write songs about just hanging out on 125th. You would just drive up to 125th, park your right. car, it's right. in Harlem, and you just walk up and down 125th Street, uh, hollering at girls, jumping into cars. Kind of like talking. Crenshaw on Sundays back in the 90s. Uh, you know what a good in movie LA. is? That, that captured it pretty well. I feel like every place uh, probably had this to the green in the 90s. Like I, in the, when I watch Cali movies, I see like the swap meet mm-hmm. scenes and stuff, mm-hmm. shit like that. Like um, paid in full. They recreate yeah. that kind of scene very well. Like when it opens, there's just a bunch of people in the street. And, you, that's, just, and that's crazy because I thought that, you know, again, I've never been to New York, especially in that era. But I will be thinking like that is like that would never be allowed out here, whether you're in L.A., Oakland, Seattle, like out here, people might hang out at the corner store or whatever. But eventually the police is coming. Like if, if no, in the, that opening credit scene of paid in full, when they're all standing in front of that, that, that burger spot. That used to be real. And wow. that's one of the reasons why I think paid in full is so overrated, because when I finally saw paid in full, right, I saw yeah. paid in full really late, like recently, a, a year or two ago, when it opens up. I got swept in like nobody's business. And it was because I got so nostalgic when I saw that opening scene. And I was like, how the fuck did they recreate this? This yeah. is so... And I felt it. And it, yeah. and it ends with that too. But then I, I, thought thought it was, I thought it was just an exaggeration of, you know, maybe that's what it was like that on a certain night. But if like every night, like you, um, could, you could do that. It wasn't every night. It was more, it was extra on the weekends, but even on the That's weekdays, crazy. there was an element of that. It would be like lighter on the weekdays, but on the weekends it would really like pop off. But also like, you know, it's, so it's it, kind of it's, like, it's, um, it's something I don't mean to cut you off, it's all good. but, uh, in, in Oakland, in the Bay area, they used to have the side shows. The side shows are like that. You mean where everybody bring their cars out, you know, somebody's going to start doing donuts. It's, it's probably going to be about five, 600 people, but it's in like a lot. Is it, you, you're not on the street. Yeah, yeah, but 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 uh, Harlem used to have that, but also like it was understood. So police used to like you know when there's like an event in like you know at a, a parade and something and the police are around. Like police would like be there would be a police presence, but it wasn't like yeah. police are showing up and breaking it up. I mean that would happen right, right, sometimes, right, but right. it was accepted to a certain degree by the powers that be. Like you know what I mean? And there would be street vendors, African street vendors in the street. And all times of night. So somehow you'd be That's hanging crazy. out and stuff, but you would actually be buying like mixed CDs sometimes. I would buy like some books, you know, you uh, grab some stuff and you'd just be trying to holler at girls and get numbers. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There'd be a bunch of like girls hanging out. Um, it, it was it was that type of thing. So when that saw the middle of the movie, which was the actual plot and the acting, I was like, this is just a very average movie. Like once I got yeah. past like that reliving the authenticity of nostalgia and stuff, I'm like, this movie's pace kind of weird. The character yeah. development's kind of weird. Like, yeah. I mean, it's an okay movie, but it was built up. So I was, much. I, I, was, I, was I, I was expecting more, but you know what? That's the type of movie that the characters that we're talking about that this is they live through that. Like they live yeah. through that image. They believe that New York should have always been like that. And the thing about it is like like you were saying, you know, there's certain things that it had to go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and and they can't get past that. It doesn't exist anymore and it's not coming back. And yeah, that yeah. part of the reason why it went away in the first place is because nobody was looking to make the moves they had to make. I think it's part of the reason why they're all into what they're doing now because I think there's a certain 
feeling that we weren't on our shit when we needed to be on our shit. So right. now I'm going to be this this hotel finance guy. You know, right. I'm going to be this uh, lifestyle coach uh, hustle. And it's like, you're basically in a hood that you can't buy property and you've been gentrified out of it. You, right. you missed your era and now you're trying to catch up. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, you got to let it go. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you can find um, interviews from people from any city, any majority black city or majority whatever city that they're going to talk about the nostalgia of how it used to be. You know, you have a lot of old timers that talk about how the 50s, how it used to be on Central Avenue in L.A. back in the 1950s and, you know, um, Beale Street in Memphis and how it used to be all the jazz clubs and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, at least they only talk about the parts of it that benefited the community to where these dudes, they just want it all. They want it. They want the crack. They want the yeah. Heron dealers. They want the, <laughs> the corrupt cops that was, that would hold the crack for them. They want all that shit back. And it's like, but, dude, but, but also there was a sense of lack of community that yeah. allowed that shit to thrive. Because if you think about shit that Jay-Z rapped about, I mean, didn't he rap about something like, uh, crack to his mom Yeah something like that yeah. And people make excuses for that Like oh you know He learned from it Or what, whatever And yo it was just the crack era And he had to make his money Like people would be Like we That, that era of hip hop Was so neoliberal Was so Yeah um, You are a brand It was so market Like a lot of this idea Of self as a brand And clout chasing That we mock millennials And Gen Z for We created the prototype for that like yeah and jay-z's line like uh i'm not a businessman i'm a business comma man like you know uh that generation especially from new york really um epitomized that and i think the crack theater was the ultimate symbol of that like i don't care if my whole community comes down i want i want to get over i don't care if everybody dies from this and you know it's funny because you can go online on youtube and you can look at old videos from like the you know these older dudes that from that era and stuff like that you know the guys that are re that were really out there they all say the same thing like we didn't want to do this but this is what was available but it's always the guys that never did anything that always try to make it like, man, that was the golden era and blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, the people you know who saying? like that, that but because, because like how long did Jay-Z really sell crack? Like to me, it sounds like he had like a couple of good trips, made enough money to get record label and that's become his brand like since, you know? And those are the people, like you said, that, you know, kind of glorify or the people who weren't involved in it, but watched those people. Like, for example, I was somebody who never sold drugs, but I knew, mm -hmm. like, some drug dealers, yeah. either personally, or there were people who were big that I didn't know personally, but they were, like, legends of the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it, it's kind of like the old mafia movie where the kid worships, in like Bronx Tale type of shit, yeah. where the, the yep. kid worships the gangsters and looks at them from across the street. There used to be a lot of that where, you know, people looked up to the drug dealer because they had the nicest car. Mm -hmm. They were dating the hottest girl. Like, right. you know, you'd be in high school school the neighborhood drug dealer would show up in the kitted out maxima to pick up the hottest girl in your school that none of you guys in high school had a shot with you know yeah, you ain't got a, you you got a chance in hell <laughs> yeah yeah and you know he's dating that that girl he's out of high school but he's dating the girl in your high school and stuff right. and you know i feel like jay-z is mindset 
right? Like, like these people who are like worshiping him as like, you know, this business mogul that you can never criticize his moves. This is the grown-up version of that. This is the grown-up yeah. version of that. They don't care how he got what he got. They just see he's shining. And then they'll say things like, you know, he's helping the community. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's creating, because people will say shit like that. People will be like, yeah, you know, the crack dealer used to protect the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he used to buy the kids basketball shoes. Man. Yeah, he used to put on basketball tournaments. Yeah, and people say about John John Gotti. Like John Gotti yeah. used to put on fireworks shows for the block, and he took yeah. care of uh, Howard Beach, and you know that type of mindset. That what Chestnut Checkers guys who are apologizing for him now are doing is like the grown up version of of that. Like you know he's got yeah. the baddest girl. Like him dating Beyonce is the equivalent of the drug dealer coming in dating the hottest girl in your high school that you had no shot with. Like you know like 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 they're 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 worshiping him like children. Like like how mm-hmm. children worship a drug dealer. And it's like you said the real drug dealers. Like if you see Freeway Rick Ross talk about like drugs he doesn't talk about it like the way like uh no a jay-z does he's absolutely not the real rick we're talking about the real rick ross from uh south central los angeles he talks about it like he i've seen an interview that he did he said um the thing that he regrets the most that he lost all the time with his kids you know they talked to him about you know he had a lot of properties and he said you know when i went to prison there were people that i put property in their name when i got out they kept it i couldn't get it back you know what i mean you know they asked him like you know the guy that told on you would you what what would you do if you, you know, sat next, if he came in this door, what would you say? And he was like, nothing. You know what I mean? He said, because I knew what I was getting into when I did it. And I knew that snitching is part of the game. So to get told on is part of the game. He wasn't out there glorifying it. Like, yeah, I'm still spending money from 88. Like Jay-Z says, like, but the, the dudes that never lived that lifestyle that listen to his music and believe that he is everything that he says, they think that's real. Like that's not the realities of the game. You know what I'm saying? That's not the real life realities of the game, but they want it to be because they want to live vicariously through Jay-Z so they can look in the mirror, rap the songs the same way the Beyonce fans do. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. You know, it's no different. Um, I know Jay-Z sold drugs for a while. Uh, My problem is I don't know how many years he sold it big. Like what what I mean by that is Rick Ross kind of sold at a high level from the beginning the whole time. Yeah. Whereas I know Jay-Z as a kid was like slinging bags like in the project hallways and stuff like that. And I know he supposedly eventually moved on to the point where he was moving bricks and traveling to Virginia and making trips. I just don't know how long. So, right. so like, you know, he could be selling drugs for like, you know, 10 years, but, you know, only a couple of years at the tail end were really, you know, your, big was your, your, your heyday. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I don't really uh, know, but I do know that he was supposedly able to make enough money at the end that he was able to use that to fund uh, Rockefeller Records. But yeah, I mean, like the people who were really like knee deep in it, like there was no plan B, like, you know, uh, I'm not selling this as a transitional thing or, you know, to fund like a bigger dream, you know, but who were doing it, like, this is the only thing I have. Like, I have nothing else. Like he said, you know, this is our only way out. Yet yeah, you don't really see him talk about it like that, you know? Like you said, yeah, but yeah, this so this so this where I get upset with this whole Jay Z uh, woke thing and his apologists, like uh, the people who built him up before, despite him having no track record of caring about anybody really, but his bottom line and his uh, pocket uh, for the most part, and now acting disappointed, you know, and then. The second thing is the people who are still apologists for it. Like some of them even argued both ways. Like when he was boycotting, they're like, yes, my nigga Jay. And then after, 
They're like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I was like, wait, right, right. How do you right. like both? Like, you know, and then they're like, nah, nah. He did the first part, so then he could do the second part because now he got them on the ropes. His boycott got them on the ropes, so then now he comes in and now he's like, yo, son, bum rushing the show. Now we're t- now we're taking over. Like, you know, it's like, God, you guys will just make up a story in your head, just as, uh, n- never admit that you know this is bullshit. And then the third person I'm mad at is Jay Z himself, but still pretending that he's playing both sides of the fence. Like, 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 we're still pretending that this is about, like, wokeness, you know? Right. But maybe he'll surprise us. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll bust out cap at the next halftime show and then announce all at once his new team, like, you know, the Marcy Hallways, and then they'll announce cap as a quarterback for that team. Like, who knows? Maybe we're the dumb ones. Right, right. Yeah. I, you know, look, at the end of the day, what this is going to be is, you know, uh, it's funny because Jay-Z, you know, you could tell the type of moves that he does make, you could tell the type of hustler that he was, you know what I'm saying, in the street. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? You could tell by the moves that he makes. And That's deep. To the un the untrained eye of someone who's never been, and I'm not about to tell my story, but it, for the untrained eye of someone who's never been in the street life, they think that you know that Barclays deal and the Brooklyn Nets, they thought that was a big deal. And then when you found the truth out, it's this term we call jowsing. It's like a person that will take a hundred dollar bill and put a whole bunch of ones mm-hmm. under it and and hide it in a knot. <laughs> and that's jowsing. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that's what Jay Z was doing. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that Jay Z don't and, have any money. It's the mindset. He was doing. He was doing that with title but title yeah. is another example he was doing that with title but then when it came time to sell title to, to people he started rapping it in pro-black talk like yes. you know like support black business right. you know and it's like then they showed like the room where it happens a title and it's all these white swedish people and ceos and it's like wait a minute this is not a black business this is just you own a stake in a, in a white business the same thing with nas and will smith with um uh, this financial literacy like and that's the thing like suckers fall for jowsing that's why so right. many people fell for this idea that nas and will smith were creating this app and everyone just started thinking that it was some kind of uh pro-black app or whatever because no this is just a white app for white people that black two black people were allowed to buy into uh, right. same with the sweet chick that uh, fried chicken restaurant people think oh this is Nas's fried chicken like Nas is a restaurateur anymore it's like no what Nas is doing is he's licensing his name that's what right, he's doing right, to the right. thing like this is a white right. business that he that he uh, gave them the license to his name. That he's a former joust. We should call that this episode actually. That should be the the, the title j- jousting because that's what he's doing. <laughs> he, 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 he's jousting. He's doing. He's j- putting Jay Z in his jousting. J- jousy. Yeah, jousy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, so fucking Jowzy, he's just fucking Jowzing. He's uh doing this shit, and people just kind of like suckers for it. And uh, that's and how you can but, tell. But I'm not, uh, but I'm not surprised, man. I'm not shocked yeah. that people fall for this shit because yeah. they want to love Jay Z regardless. Like no matter, he can never do no wrong. It's the same thing yeah. with the Nas stands. Nas can yeah. never do no wrong. We all know that Nas is terrible at picking beats. We know that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they will say, oh, no, he just went, he just thinks that would be too easy. Yeah, but it's not easy on my fucking ears. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, a, yeah. A, a friend of mine literally told that. Like, like, he told me that that, that new Jero song was him oh trying to God. challenge himself. <laughs> and it's like, look, um, I heard this about Chris Rock. People say that Chris Rock, right? He workshops his material uh, live places. So if you're, he lives in Jersey, right? There'll be yeah. people who go to comedy shows in Jersey and open mics. And then Chris Rock would show up unannounced in a t-shirt and some sweats and whatever with index cards. And he will sit on stage for people who weren't even expecting him to be there, who paid like, you know, no cover charge and uh, two drinks, two drink tickets, right? right? Suddenly they're getting a 
impromptu, unannounced uh, Chris Rock workshop. And Chris Rock will sit there. And it's not the Chris Rock that you and I are used to. Uh, right. It's, it's the, the on stage, the final polish, polish product. He'll sit there on a stool and he'll read off index cards. And if the joke is good, he'll say to himself, oh, that worked. And he puts it in his pocket. And then yeah. another one will flop and he'll say, okay, uh, I guess that one's not, not working. And then a year later, like his show that he releases, his bigger and blacker or whatever, will be the final mm-hmm. product, right? But right. He, knows, he knows not to record and release that <laughs> index card session. Absolutely. And call it, and, and to be fair, to be fair, Jero's song is from something called The Lost Tape. So supposedly it's uh, not songs that he never um, meant to put on a proper album, but still, yeah. still don't release it. Like, like, yeah. like, like Chris Rock's not releasing the lost stand-ups and, you know, it's, putting you know, his... It's funny. Um, I used to be a real big Nas fan, especially back in like 97, 98. He was my favorite rapper. Him and Ice Cube was like my two favorite rappers all time. And the funny thing about it is when the first Lost Tapes came out, they said that those were the songs that were supposed to be on Nostradamus, I Am, and it was written. I'm like, well, why the fuck didn't he put those on there? Like, those that, that first Lost Tapes was dope. The second one, they were saying it was supposed to be on the Street Disciple and the Nigger album and that Life is Good. I'm like, well, those albums sucked anyway, so it didn't really matter if you put those, put those songs on there because the whole album sucked anyway. So you give us another sucky-ass album to go with that other sucky shit that came out? Like, you know, at this point, I don't think he has anything else to talk about. And there's nothing wrong with that because you have you have some plenty, uh, 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 cemented your, your place in the history of hip-hop and black culture. Fine. Now you can keep selling Hennessy and the chicken and all that other shit you've been doing. And we still going to have respect for you. But come on, bro. Like the same thing with Jay-Z. We, you said you was going to retire after what was the Black Album? I think he was supposed to oh, retire. Yeah. What was that, like 2006, 2007? Like, it was a long and, time and ago. Then, and then he came came back. Like, he'll say whatever he... But, but the thing, too, and this is the trend chasing, people forget this about that era, but there was this weird trend, rap retirements. Yes. And, and too, too short, short did it, too. Yep. Yeah, too short did it. And everyone was announcing rap retirements. So then he turned it into an event. I don't think he ever really meant to retire. I don't think yeah. he ever meant it because he immediately did a Lincoln Park album but you know after that and but people for some reason people didn't count that as not doing retirement you, you know of get coming out of retirement but um yeah and he was playing a game of getting people to anticipate when he was going to come back I remember people used to have these like stories and stuff I remember like people were like yo Jay-Z's working on his comeback and it's called the Diamond Album these were right. all these stories in the street about what his comeback album was going to be but yeah he's always been like pulling like these moves of the moment like you know the retirement was the move in a moment and then the comebacks became the move in a moment so then he, he did a comeback you know when it was time and I think these people the same way you said that you can tell how Jay-Z probably hustled and same thing same thing like, like with Nas like you know putting putting his name on stuff that he gets uh, minimal mm-hmm. participation in uh, you know with the chicken and the Silicon Valley stuff and uh, the financial advice app and yeah. Jay-Z uh, apparently he's doing it again like now there's leaking stories that he might become a part owner of an NFL team and yeah, the complex release that there's actually no truth to that, you know? And it's like, how many times are people going to fall for the same hustle? So it's to the point that even these nostalgic people who were from that New York era, who are, are that age, it makes you understand who they were in the street at that time. The fact yeah. that they keep falling for the jousing makes you realize, okay, in the nineties, you were that person that just kept falling for everything in the street. You were the kind of person who just yep. rode every three way. Car, you play for the, you, you always fall for the three car money. Yeah, yep, you know, yep. it, it's, it's like, uh, you remember Jay-Z and young Jesus, the one that made the song to my president is black. 
during mm. the Obama era and Jay-Z was a part of that voter die and all that kind of shit. So it was like he knows what waves to ride because he knows what gets people going. He knows what's get, gonna get he knows his fan base. I'll say that. Yeah. The brother, and, the brother and, knows marketing. He knows his fan base. And those like New York dusty dudes are like living in the past. You know, a lot of them be the same people who get endless entertainment from watching Jesus and Mero like walk white people through yeah. Dusty. Cause what what they're walking white people through that's like dusty New York stuff. And, you know, I've done dusty stuff. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, we all have. Yeah. We've all done dusty yeah. stuff. Oh, I, yeah. I used to go to the, I used to go to the strip club with uh like a stocking cap and like fleece sweatpants. Oh yeah. And just doing that's like the most dusty <laughs> thing you could do. Like like just just, just the hood. Like, they say you should never go into a place of business with sweatpants on anyway. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, and and I would wear the fleece sweatpants to make the uh lap dads like extra good. Like that that's dusty. Like that's dusty right, stuff. Right, right, right. You know, and shit shit like that. And we would share a piece of advice like don't go to the strip club with your full knot of money mm-hmm. in your pants yeah. because some of the girls who dance in this strip club have boyfriends in the project and if you flash a knot and stuff they're gonna like that. They're going to call them and they're going to rob you. Exactly. Like that, that's some yeah. street smart shit. So you couldn't, yeah. so you get to, if I was really smart and not dusty, I would have thought, hey, that means I shouldn't go to the strip club. I shouldn't be there. Yeah. I have no reason. If, if, if these girls have a chance of calling some dude in the projects to rob me if I maneuver this place wrong, then maybe my takeaway should be don't go there. But instead, my takeaway was, you know what? That's good advice. When I go there, I'm not going to have the knot in my pocket. And, you know, like, like that's dusty thinking. When you, when you conform Mm-hmm. To a dusty situation, instead of realizing and you just wait. live by the seat of your pants, like, well, let's just see what happens. I mean, the, <laughs> you know, out here, the equivalent is, you know, you go to a strip club and you, you know, the girls, you know, you think she's feeling you and she's not. And then you go to a hotel because we don't have a lot of projects out here. So the yeah. guy, the, she'll call her boyfriend and his friends, and you guys, they'll, they'll come to the hotel where you're at with the girl and they'll be in the closet with machine guns. You yeah, yeah. You get it? <laughs> that's happened to people. Like that, that oh, happens a lot, <laughs> dude. That, that dude, that happens a lot. And you know what happened too? Like you would leave a strip club, and then you heard someone else had that exactly happen to them. Yes. And then you're like, you know, sucks to be him. I guess I played it right. He's a dumbass. You know, <laughs> you think like, you know, no, dude, that could have been you if you played one thing different. You shouldn't be there. Like, like it was so ingrained in the culture of dustiness. Like, because uh, everything used to be so dusty back then that not that uh, mob deep. These have multiple songs about getting set up by chicks. Oh and, yeah, oh yeah. And then and then they even had a song on the first album. I forget what the name of the song is, but it was. A, I think it might have even been called the setup. I think, the setup. Was it called? I think was it, it was. called this? Um, it, it it was it was a Mob Deep song where um one of them gets a call from a girl who lives in a different neighborhood, right? And um he gets a call from a girl who lives in a different neighborhood, telling him to come over. And uh, and meet and you know hook up and have sex and she has friends so bring his friends so they have to go into a different hood a hood that's not uh, their hood right right so they have to go to this hood and then when they um, get there but before they go this is what they say he goes yo this might be a setup man should we send us to get robbed and then what they do in the song right is uh, and I've been there is they think okay how many dudes are we gonna bring in case it's a setup so you just want the ass so bad. That, that you don't you even put yourself think, in a position. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't get blindsided. You actually think beforehand, damn, this could be a setup. Okay, let's uh, you know, move forward, move forward, you know? And yeah. so then the song ends up, they get to the projects and they end up in a gunfight. And yeah. 
it is it is a setup, right? But but this is the best part. This is the best part of that song to me. The next album, there's actually a continuity. Uh, he gets set up again. <laughs> so right. so in the second album, he has a song he gets set up again, and then they mention within the song, uh, wh- why do you keep getting set up? Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's funny that uh, Mac Dre has a song, Mac Dre, uh, rest in peace from the Bay Area, he has a song called 42 Fake. And he talks about how he met this girl at the DMV and she was fine and everything. She invited him over, over to her house and she made crab legs and shrimp and smoked some weed with him. And next thing you know, some dudes ran in the house and had him tied up, <laughs> and robbed him and left him on a bridge somewhere. So, I mean, this, it, that happens. I actually knew a guy. Uh, he's no longer living. That oh, actually oh, happened. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But picture of Mac Dre started the song off with. I think she might be setting me up. Yeah, oh, well. yeah, like, like yeah. That extra level makes it even worse. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, but go yeah. on, go on. Go yeah, on. He, yeah. He didn't. He didn't say that. He just thought it was some girl <laughs> that he was. He was gonna get some easy, you know, some sex from, and it yeah, didn't turn out that way. Least, but yeah. yeah, at least at least he uh, fell for it. He, he has the. He can say that. Oh, I actually believed her. Like, you know? Yeah, he was naive. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, uh, yeah. There's a guy. Uh, Probably about eight, nine years ago um, from out here in Portland. And uh, he was a rapper and he was like doing, you know, when you're you're a rapper just coming up in the game, you go to do all these promotional shows and stuff. And he had a little bit of money on him or whatever. And he went to Texas and that happened to him. He met some girl, some random girl and uh, went to the hotel with her. And while he was in there, some dudes jumped out with machine guns and killed him, robbed him and killed him. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, it happens pretty often, you know, in the hood than people think it does. Just different circumstances. But like you said, they're already thinking this could be a setup. That means go home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that that type of like, to me, like these people who are always like these people who are from that era, who are frozen in amber in that era. Like they were never like you said, the same way you could tell who Nas was in that era you could tell who they were in that era they were that dude watching from across the street or out their apartment window at the yeah. drug dealer like you know yeah. the drug the drug dealer that car is going to be repossessed in a year he's going to be uh on average broken a year or locked up or whatever but all you see is the flash all you see is, is the jousting like you know like like that album might be in his that that car might be in his mom's name and oh we'll get yeah repo- and will get repossessed the minute he's um the minute he's locked up and his mom mm-hmm. doesn't have the money for it or whatever like it's it's just smoking mirrors and they still grew up like romanticizing it uh and and all and all that stuff they, you know they're still getting joust on a on a bigger level now like they're just grown up versions that do like they're still dusty and they haven't learned the lessons of dustiness and right they're and they're still like just doing dust doing dusty shit and I mean, you know, that's the, it. Yeah. these same dudes man these are the guys that you know they when that crypto stuff started getting popular like they just became the crypto so it's like those guys that even even the way they do things like you could tell like their mindsets like uh the way they handle business is the same way quick, those get rich quick yeah stuff. They're, yeah they're all, pyramid queen schemes damn near you know what i'm saying yeah 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 they're all talking about they're all talking about like crypto and investment yeah. advice these like uh old school new york dudes who have like podcasts now and they're doing all this uh scammy shit and it's like yeah you're still just doing uh grown up um dusty shit and you can also see like this is why gentrification uh oh why, why you yeah behind. yeah it's, it's, it's leaving you uh and you can tell behind. this why gentrification was so easy yeah that's why that's why it was so easy like you know uh the real hustlers and 
everyone got locked up or put whatever. And uh, these guys, the guys that get jowls all the time are the ones who are left because they were never in that street life. And they're just like, you know, chasing castles of sand. I'm sorry, chasing castles in the sky and stuff or, or, or spectating. Like, you know, they're yeah. still like uh, pocket watching and mm-hmm. uh, bullshit, bullshitting and doing dusty stuff. And they're still doing dusty stuff. They like, bullshit like, their way through anything. And anybody that's being successful, they'll find some way to hate on them. If it's a person like, okay, Perfect example, Kaepernick. The way that these same dudes, they hate Kaepernick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they hate Kaepernick, but this way they hate Kaepernick because Kaepernick believes in something. Yes. R- right. Kaepernick uh, believes in something, but to the point, he's willing to fuck up his money. Yes. So they hate him because he's fucked up his money and he's in this principle. But when Jay-Z using wokeness and championing Kaepernick, but he's doing it to line his pockets and to do a hustle or whatever and, you know, be flashy. Now suddenly wokeness is good, but it's not because they really like the wokeness. It's because they like the self-enrichment because because these dudes are just always scamming hustling and falling for like like low-level scammers always fall for high-level scams you know what i mean like um like they probably live like kind of scammy lives themselves and those kind of people who like do those low-level scams those unconvincing mm-hmm. scams yeah. they're the same people because that's where the pyramid schemes yes because somebody above you has has to, like the guy at the top of the pyramid scheme is the real hustler. Yes. It's, it's like the, it's like the guy who's like third or fourth down on the pyramid that is the worst of both worlds because he's not a good victim as in as in he's he, he's dumb enough to be a victim but he's also not good enough to be the top scammer. Right. So it's like, you know, he's the one that gets in on the pyramid scheme after it's about to bust or when right. it's uh, right. Yeah. But, oh, this man, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Like I said, maybe he'll surprise us all and he's going to get Kaepernick the job and then <laughs> the, the, the NFL logo is going to be red, black, and green. Right, right, right. Kente, right. With he's going to take over the Dallas Cowboys. They'll be called the Dallas Brooklynites or the Dallas <laughs> Jiggas or something. I don't fucking know. And Kaepernick <laughs> will be able to like have a afro for a helmet or what. I don't know. But if, yeah, if, yeah. if I had to guess. Ain't shit gonna happen. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna take over the NFL, and then uh, the bu- the Buffalo Bills gonna, gonna become the Buffalo Soldiers. Right, yeah, and yeah. They'll have like a <laughs> right. some shit like that. You know, we, we should spread that rumor just to see if this crowd <laughs> ro- ro- rolls with it. They would repeat it like sight unseen. They would add their own their own shit to it, even to make it. <laughs> the Buffalo Soldiers. That's fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Oh, all right, bro, man. Thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, we're still we're still catching up, but we still have three episodes to catch up yeah, on, man. Yeah. We're uh, we're behind. We're behind, like because um, we try. We're trying to really do eight a month, and we fell a little behind. So uh, we still have three more to make uh, eight. But you know, I have faith. We're gonna do it. There's enough days left in the month so yeah let's get it in yeah definitely thanks for joining us definitely and everyone out there uh you know be good and take care all right peace